Well, hey, it is great to be with you. As I shared earlier, my name is Kurt. Welcome back from the coffee break. If you are a guest of ours, we are so glad that you're here. And if the coffee break is new for you, like Brandon shared, thanks for embracing it. Thanks for taking time. We believe relationships are, are at the center of what God is up to in the kingdom. And uh, we're going to actually really step into that over the next few weeks as we launch a new message series today called The Friendship Factor. Uh, just so you're uh, aware, I do recognize I have a dear, dear, dear friend sitting next to me. Can you all say hi to John? Hi. Awesome. He's going to get to share a little bit more here, but I, I'm going to sort of show where we've been and connect some dots to where we're going. You're going to get to hear a little more from John here in just a minute, but I, I didn't want to like just leave you out from the get-go. Um, it is so good to be together. I am so grateful that uh, you showed up. Think about that. It is not taken for granted that you chose to come today and that you're stepping into the story that God wants to write in your life. We are so grateful. And so what I want you to do to know as we launch this new message series is that we here at the Vineyard believe everyone is on a journey of discipleship. And discipleship is a uh, word that you might be familiar with if you've been around church, but it is learning to follow Jesus. That is how we would describe it here at the Vineyard. We want to be a people who walk in the way that Jesus walks and lives and be a part of the story that God is writing here in the earth. And so discipleship is becoming a disciple of Jesus. There's this journey that we are all on. If you are here exploring faith, you've been far from God, that's not been a priority in your life, and you have taken a first step, that is actually an important step in your discipleship journey. Ask questions. Be curious. That is where it begins, because we actually believe that God is initiating it all. God is at the beginning, in the beginning, and is pursuing humanity with his love and his presence and his power. And so whatever steps we are taking, God stepped towards us first. So embrace where you are. Let me tell you where we've been. We have been stewarding kind of our preaching and message series and this summer, we studied the book of Daniel. It's an Old Testament book in the Bible. And Daniel was an opportunity for us to learn how to live as a credible witness and point to the hope of God in the midst of cultures that can be in complete chaos. Everybody say chaos. Yes. It felt timely. I mean, in the most like non-judgmental judgment posture, probably, I'm making a judgment about what's going on, like learning how to live in the midst of chaos and environments that can be toxic. The book of Daniel, an Old Testament text, teaches followers of Jesus how to live faithfully and live into the hope of a God that is at work. Then uh, in August, we were in a series called We Are Family, and that was looking at Jesus' prayer in John 17. So we, we learn how to live in environments that are not necessarily godly, and then we look at the prayer of Jesus, and Jesus says this, the unity of my family, the unity of followers of Jesus will be the most credible witness to the world about my love and my life. So learning to live in the chaos, learning to be a people of unity, and then we just finished a study in the book of James. James is a New Testament book written by the brother of Jesus, 
I take as a credible witness to the life of Christ. And it was this series called Faith at Work, and that we must have a tangible and transformed life, that our faith needs to be at work in every part of our life. So our faith needs to be at work, like literally at work, and with our family and with our friends and in our thoughts and in our hearts and all these different things, that we need to have a credible, tangible expression of faith at work in our lives, not only impacting my transformation, but a gift to everyone around. So everybody say chaos. Chaos. Say unity. Unity. Say faith. Faith. This is the progression of scripture, meeting us in reality, calling us into a story bigger than ourselves, and then transforming us. And so today, we jump into a series called The Friendship Factor. Because what I noticed and what our team noticed is that in these days, when it is chaos, and when you might assess that there's a lot more disunity than unity, and when faith is being tested, we need relationship to lead us and walk with us, and we need to be the kind of humans that can hold space for relationships to navigate the difficult stuff that is present in our lives and in our culture. And so I just want to take a couple of pieces from James to set the stage of just, we're just threading a needle, we're connecting dots, that we see this throughout Scripture. James 3, 13 through 18, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, yes, even demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Church, if we just let our friendships be lived through this lens for the rest of our days, we will be challenged every day, and we will see a more tangible reality of God breaking into our lives. So we're connecting James. We don't just leave James and go do a new series. Like, James comes with us. James informs us. Listen to this at the end of James 5, verses 16, 19, and 20. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Guys, friendship matters. Faith-filled friendship matters. It is gracious. It is tangible. And it is a gift. It's not judgmental. It's not harsh. It is full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. 
Let us continue to pull the wisdom from James as we lean into this new series. Following Jesus provides us a friendship factor that is intended to give us life and allow us to bring life to our friendships. Every friendship we have as a follower of Jesus should be infused with the hope and the power and the presence of the living God. At work, at the gym, at book club, in the stands, at the sporting event. Yeah, I, even there, it's weird. Like, there is no space that the kingdom of God is not coming to transform. And on your commute tomorrow morning, when you get cut off, that space is sacred too, okay? Do not leave it as off limits. Guys, this idea of following Jesus is that our lives would be a witness to the love of God. And the redemptive story, the missional heart of God saying, I am making all things new. I was reading this week in a book, a theological book, and it says this, and we prayed this prayer this morning during communion. When we pray, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That is a prayer God intends to answer. Every time we pray that prayer, we are praying a prayer that God intends to answer. And we want to welcome the life and presence and power of God into our friendships. And so I want to do a little bit of a better job introducing you to John. Can you all give him one more welcome? We've got a beautiful picture of his family. Uh, today is actually a pretty special day in their house. Why is today special? Uh, we're celebrating 12 years of marriage. Yeah. She wanted to be here. Unfortunately, the day before we were scheduled to come, kids are sick, she's sick. So she's back home watching online. So happy anniversary, honey. <laughs> It's an incredible gift. What um, I know about John is that I see the witness of friendship that we are going to pursue over these next weeks. I know the gift of his life, and this is also a picture of the partnership and investment you're making as a church because one of our mission partners are John and Meg Huffman and ministry to Central America. For years, it's been Costa Rica, Young Life. Now it is a bigger story than that. I know you'll share a little bit more of that, but... Yeah. What would you like us to know about you if you were going to introduce us? And maybe some of them will become a little closer in friendship to you like the way yeah. I am. Well, yeah. It, first of all, it's, it's good to be back at a, at a home church that was a place that was really key in my young adult life. Um, and, you know, you know, Kurt, actually, I just want to jump right into Scripture because I think we see the invitation of Jesus right from the beginning of inviting the disciples. So we're going we're to jump right in. Matthew 4 says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake where they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. My whole ministry is in Spanish, so for the Spanish speakers, the key, the key verse here is vengan, 
síguenme, les dijo Jesús, y los haré pescadores de hombres. So, I love the Matthew rendition of this verse, of this story, for its simplicity, for the direct, come follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Um, but, but I also love, um, in, in Luke's version of this story, he gives a little more details. He brings it a little more to life. And so Jesus, to give a little more context to this story, um, Jesus is, is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is a big lake. I don't know why they call it a sea. It's just a big lake. And uh, he's teaching, and there's a crowd of people there. And I think he's feeling like, like there's a lot of people. Maybe I'm not really projecting well. I don't really have a good platform. And so he sees his buddy Simon, um, who's cleaning his nets after a long night of fishing, and uh, this is somebody he already has a relationship with. He's starting to begin this relationship and this friendship with him. And he says, hey, Simon, help me up. Hey, let me get on the water so I can get a little better platform to speak to these people. And so Simon pushes his boat out. Jesus, Jesus gets on it, and, and, and he finishes his teaching. And he's just hanging out there with, with Simon and, and Andrew. And he's like, hey, guys, I want to show you something really cool. Let's go, let's go drop our nets in over there in deeper water. And Simon is sitting there, and he's like, ah, you know, Jesus, we just worked all night. We're tired. We just cleaned the nets. We're ready to go home. You know, going to go to bed, get some food or whatever. And, and Jesus said, like, no, 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 come on. Let's go do this. And so I can imagine in Simon's mind, he's like, Jesus, like, hey, stick to your lane, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're a great teacher. You're an awesome guy. But I'm the professional fisherman, right? You're a carpenter. What do you know about fishing, right? But, but they say, okay, let's go do it. And, and that's the story of the miraculous catch. That's the first fishing trip with Jesus, and we see this miraculous catch. And, and what I love about that story, and I love about how Jesus then invited right there, is that Jesus already had a relationship with these guys. But it didn't click for them until Jesus entered their world, into their context. They were fishermen. When Jesus met them in their, on their turf, an intimate relationship, and just showed him who he was. That was the aha moment for, for them. And so when Jesus says, hey, follow me, they were able to just kind of drop everything and go, because like, yeah, right on, this is it, because he, he broke through in that personal relational way. So when I moved to Houston in the summer of 2008, I just graduated college, I was moving here for my first like real job, and uh, I had two goals when I moved to Houston, other than my job, was find a wife and find a dog. <laughs> Both things that were very important to me as a young 22-year-old. And so, of course, church was one of those things. And so uh, back in the day, we were in that like, tiny little building off of Telephone Road. And, and I walked into church one morning pretty soon after I had moved down. And, and I kind of scoped the room. In about 30 seconds, I saw, I'm not going to find a wife at this church. <laughs> Um, but I really enjoyed the church service, and I went out to that spacious 10-foot by 10-foot lobby, and um, I met Alan Allen there, and he immediately introduced me to Kurt. And um, I remember that, not knowing anyone, meeting Alan, and then meeting Kurt like it was yesterday, and that was almost, what, 14 years, more than 14 years ago now. Yeah. Kurt then pursued me. He invited me to coffee, he invited me to conversations, and pretty soon after that introduction, that's starting to grow this friendship, um, I wanted to accomplish goal number two, which was find a dog. And uh, I invited him along, and he came into my world to find a dog, and we drove a couple hours out to Dimebox, Texas. I don't know <laughs> if any of you know where that is. Um, to a little farm where there were some breeders that had a litter of seven beagle puppies. And on the drive out there, I told Kurt, Kurt, you have one job. 
one job on this trip. You are not allowed me to go home with a dog because I need to be a responsible adult and not be impulsive and think about it and pray about it and buy a kennel and buy food and I had nothing ready. We're just going to go and see. I'm not allowed to go home with a dog. I get there and I want to take all seven puppies home with me. <laughs> and so we go to lunch and we kind of separate away from the farm. It's, I don't, it definitely wasn't a chain restaurant. I don't know where we went, but it was it somewhere was in the middle of nowhere. It was a delicious barbecue place in a gas station. Okay, there, in a gas station. There you go. <laughs> yep. And we're sitting there, and, you know, Kurt had one job, and he proceeds to say, but John, like, do you really want to drive all the way back out here next weekend? <laughs> like, you know, like, we could stop by Petco on the way home, and like, hey, you know, I got their dog Cooper at that time. He's like, yeah, I probably can give you some food and some stuff you need to get started. Kurt entered my world. That was important to me, and he just came along for the ride, and he loved me. And, and I love how Jesus did that in the story. He just entered the world of Simon Peter, and that's where there was this impact. Kurt did that with me as well. So there was this intentionality of invitation into life to share it together. So I think the other cool thing about this story of, of Jesus on this first fishing trip with these guys is that he invited them to something bigger. It wasn't this, the, the verse doesn't say, come follow me, period. It says, come follow me. I'm going to send you out to fish for men, to fish for people. He brought them a mission and a purpose. Yeah. When, when Kurt and I continued to grow our friendship, um, really early on, within the first few months, he invited me to check out student ministry. That was back when, again, that, that if you're ever at the property, if you remember, there was this separate building behind a like, appliance repair shop that was dirty and smelly and had horrible carpet, and that's where our junior high and high school students hung out. <laughs> and Kurt invited me along just to hang out with him, and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but it was the first time somebody had invited me as an adult to engage with serving the Lord, to like participate in the kingdom. And that came through a friendship that came through, hey, like maybe the Lord has something for you in this. And I don't think I was a particularly good leader at all at that time, but I fell in love with it and it grew a passion. And so actually Kurt is very tied into that other goal of finding a wife because when I wife, although he didn't introduce me to Meg, but when I met Meg, she was really passionate about youth ministry and the Lord was fostering this in me. And we got to very early on in our dating relationship, got to dream about, Lord, what would it look like serving in some sort of youth ministry as a married couple? And, and so that, the friendship turned into me understanding, starting to realize, okay, this is maybe a, a reality or a purpose or a mission that the Lord has for me for this next stage of life. And so what that ended up turning into is we were here, my Meg, Meg and I were married here for five years, serving with the church and starting to serve with Young Life. She got really involved with Young Life, and then that turned into us serving as full-time missionaries in Costa Rica for six years with Young Life, um, loving on the, the Ticos, as we call them, the Costa Ricans, um, and just doing ministry with them. And, and now we're been back in the States for a year in Colorado, where uh, we're, we're serving local teenagers in, in our, our area in Colorado. And I'm part of the regional Young Life team that we serve um, the leadership teams in, in um, seven countries of Central America. So in El Salvador, Honduras, um, Guatemala, Belize, Nicaragua, Panama, and um, Costa Rica. And actually tomorrow I'm going to Panama to meet with five of those country leaders and, and, and spend some time with them in Panama. Um, and the, the, the friendship led into me understanding, like, what did the Lord have as a calling on my life? And it was, it was, it was transformation. Mm. And so these guys that were on this fishing boat, 
immediately then grab their buddies, their two friends. And the four of them kind of started this, this journey, right? The Lord Jesus provided through friendship, through relationship, a purpose and a mission for life. So I, if I could write my own version of the Bible, I would probably translate this as, come follow me, I will give you a purpose and send you on a mission. I think that's mm-hmm. another way of seeing this scripture. And so and that led into transformation, right? So we know what, what the disciples did 2,000 years ago, and that transformational work in their lives through the friendship of Jesus is what brings us here today. The yeah. fruit of that, 2,000 years later, is all of us being here, right? If they hadn't engaged in that friendship with Jesus, if they hadn't also engaged in the, the purpose and mission he had for them, we wouldn't be here. Um, and I think that Kurt and I's relationship has become transformational for each other as well in this time. And, and one of the things that we've come to is like this ability to also challenge each other as we walk in ministry together in, in two different targets of ministry, but we walk in ministry together, we, we get to challenge each other. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that so, so first of all, so, so if you're not familiar with Young Life, Young Life's mission is to introduce adolescents to Jesus Christ and help them grow in their faith. So that's the purpose of Young Life. And, and so we have this desire that every kid in every time, in every nation, will meet Jesus and then grow in their faith to, to understand how do we act that out, right? In my context, it was entering into ministry, entering into youth ministry, and I love that. Um, and, and I think one thing that Young Life does really well, especially in Latin America, is one-on-one discipleship. It's something that we just pride ourselves in and, and, and know is just essential to help um, young people experience transforms lives. And so when, when we look at the life of Jesus, like we know that he invested in the masses. He invested in love well from the religious elite, to the military leaders, to the governmental folks, to the tax collectors, to the widows, to the orphans, to the paralyzed, to the children, to the least of these, the rejected from society. He loved and invested in everyone. But we also know that he was intentional with 12. Yeah. And then we also know even within that 12, he was really intentional with Peter, James, and John, three of the original four on that first fishing trip with Jesus, right? And he spent special time with them. And he, he gave his life to them in relationship. And so, you know, part of the, th- part of the conversation that Kurt and I have been having over the last few weeks is, and, and few months has been like, all right, like I challenge him, like, Kurt, who are your Peter, James, and John? Who are your people that you're just pouring your life into? Because if I would sum up seven years now of full-time ministry, six of them being overseas, and now one of them doing it more remote and traveling and all that, I would say that all the investment, the sacrifice, the time, the energy, the, the, the money that's been donated for this sums up to a few changed relationships, a few specific names of folks that have experienced true relation with Jesus and are living a transformed life and walking out the purpose the Lord has for them. And that's, what, that's where there was value in what we've done. Yes, we kind of reached the masses, and I, you know, whatever you want to find masses. We've reached a lot of kids, but really it's those transformed individuals yeah. that make the impact. And so I think that invitation that I've made to Kurt is also an invitation for you. Who are you investing in? Who are those Peter, James, and John that you want to walk in friendship, walk in relationship to help them discover what the Lord has for them? Um, in my context, it's leaders of a ministry in seven Central American 
in countries. And in Kurt's context, it's leaders here at the church. In your context, maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's the person sitting next to you. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's your classmate. Jesus had a call for them, and I think it's the same call for us. Come follow me. I will send you out to fish for people. Come follow me. I will give you a purpose and send you on a mission. Yeah. What I love about the invitation that you're giving us, John, is that what we see in Jesus is intentional investment. Every quality friendship that you have in your life will require intentional investment. It requires intentional time. I protect my calendar. It requires somebody vocalizing, we should hang out. It requires somebody saying, hey, would you come be on my turf? Would you get together with me? It requires somebody saying, how can I pray for you? It requires somebody initiating a first step, and hopefully in a, in a healthy friendship, it's going to be mutual, and it's going to be reciprocal, and it's going to go both ways. And so I, I, we see this in the life of Jesus, but the thing that we thought today to kick off this new series, The Friendship Factor, is it really is about intentional investment. If you put $5 in a bank account one time, and you take your local bank's interest rate. After 20 years of a one-time investment, how much money will you have? $5 and one-fourth of a penny. Now, you'll have like $5.15, or you'll have $5.18 after 20 years because you made one investment. Friendship is this walking together Week in and week out, season in, season out, circumstance changing, coming and going. And it is an intentional investment. It is a trip to get Kibo. That's the beagle. And to be a great friend, to understand when you need to redirect your friend. When your friend has tried to direct you, you redirect. No, I'm just kidding. I don't remember that. I failed you in the best way. In the best way, well. I failed uh, you. In the best way. But then it's, the it's, it's the first time I ever sat at Masa Sushi and learned how to enjoy delicious food with my friend. It's been Zoom calls, consistent and inconsistent, across a lot of geography. It's an intentional investment. And we, as followers of Jesus, do not opt out of this. And we do not need to feel pressure to be everybody's friend. I'm preaching, like, because we need to understand what friendship is. We need to love and to be close, but there are different degrees of access. There are different degrees of intimacy and closeness. So we're going to talk about these different qualities and factors, but every one of them, as we've talked and as our preaching team has been looking at this, it is intentional investment. It is invitation. Can we walk together? It is mission and purpose. Can we invest in one another and can we join the story of God? Can we pray for each other? Can we point each other to the scriptures? That's what small groups are here at the Vineyard. It's a journey of growing together. And it is transformation. Transformation is the outcome of an intentional investment that you will make with people in your life. 
And so one of the phrases in the vineyard, the broader family of vineyard churches is this, as it relates to ministry and joining the mission of God, is that everyone gets to play. All right, y'all say that. Everyone gets to play. What that means is the work of God and the mission of God is not re- like relegated to a select few, to the professionals. It is the way of following Jesus. Everyone gets to play, and you have people in your life that need you. Because I don't know them. John can't take them out for lunch because he doesn't know them. He doesn't have their number. He doesn't live by them. He doesn't work by them. You do. You do. And it's not our job to be friends with everyone, but if everyone gets to play, we will cover so many more people. And it is about everyone making an intentional investment somewhere with someone because it is who Jesus is. So let me give us a couple definitions we're going to work through over the next weeks together. If we allow Jesus to define friendship for us, what we will see is it's mutual connection with growing love and unity and purpose. It's mutual connection. What we see in Matthew 4 is it went both ways. Mutual. Growing love, unity, and purpose. Here's another way to say it. A mutual bond with loving action. It's active faith. It's active relationship. And follow-through, sustained over time. It's an intentional investment over time. The reciprocal nature of wanting the best for each other, clothed in access and intimacy. You're letting someone know you, and they're letting themselves be known. And you're sort of going step for step as you build trust. As you build trust. It's reciprocal. It's mutual. And it's about this meaningful connection of purpose and mission. As we kind of move to our close, be thinking about the, like the wisdom that you're going to leave with us because this is a friendship that has been through time. I was thinking about it. You actually uh, trained me for what we faced in the pandemic. I was not able to be at your wedding but man, I shot a good video. Years before I had to shoot lots of video while we were going live and on pandemic and shut down and all that, let's think about that. I was uh, supposed to be in John's wedding and we were having a pretty significant life event in our own family and I couldn't travel. and, And so I just think about all these ways that we walk together and we share life and we grow and we mature. So we get this Matthew 4. Jesus says, come follow me and I will. Jesus was super clear about the investment he was going to make and the purpose. And as the story unfolds, the disciples had to make an intentional investment too. And this is the place we get to at the close of those years. John 15 says, as the Father has loved me, this is Jesus, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Sustained over time, mutual, reciprocal, active. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus sets the stage for this friendship factor. 
Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. It is mutual. It is the call of the church to show the world what healthy, dynamic friendship looks like. What do you think? Amen. Amen. Right? Amen. Yeah, I I will say that, you know, as missionary partners with this church, whether you, you know it or not, part of your participation here, your giving here, impacts kids in, in a lot of countries, especially in Latin America. And that is possible because the Lord decided to use a random friendship that had heavenly intentions. Um, and that's really cool. And that's really special. And I hope that there's a stirring and desire for that intentionality that you want to have with people because it makes a difference. And if I didn't become friends with Kurt and he didn't invite me in, I don't know because the last 14 years has been transformed life and the Lord used Kurt in that story for me. And he's using me in the lives of other folks. He's using my wife in the lives of other folks. And so it's just cool how we see that just like Jesus gave this invitation to the disciples, and we're fruit of that. Yeah. Your invitations, you probably won't know all the fruits. Sometimes you have the, the pleasure of being able to experience that fruit together, yeah. but not always. And it, and it matters, and it's important. Yeah. So as we close, I want to ask you to do something. I love when somebody invites me. It's nice. It's nice to get the invitation. It is a gift when you give the invitation. So right now, we're going to just take a moment. It's going to be quiet in the room for about three minutes or less. And I want you to think about somebody in your life that you could text an encouragement to. You could call this week. You could make an intentional investment. And maybe ask God to just bring somebody to mind. There is somebody in your life that if you will initiate with, you will move towards this week, it will be a gift to them. We want to put this into practice. We want to move towards the people in our life with hope and purpose. And everything we talk about in the weeks that come in this series are going to be about intentional investment. And so God, we just as a room who are connected to a lot of people right now, we ask for your grace. And we want to join you in your love for people And so I ask that for everybody in the room, people who are hearing this in different ways, would you speak to us this week? Somebody we could be intentional with to encourage, to bless, to call, to check in on. And even now, would you bring a a friend to mind? And would you give us the courage to live on purpose with them this week?
God, in a time in our world where connection might be the highest and loneliness might also be the highest, show us how to be the kind of people that move in meaningful ways to love the way you love, to not settle for surface, but to be willing to engage where our hearts need it, that we would feel cared for, we would feel valued and seen. In a world that often feels very divided and split, would you show us how to be a people of unity and to walk in the way of friendship, loving you, friendship with the living God, that you would call us friends, and friendship with those around us, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves that we would love our enemy the way you do, Jesus, laying your life down for us on the cross to say, I am for you. Meet us in these weeks. Show us how to live a faith that's transformative and tangible. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite everybody to stand. Uh, here at the Vineyard, we like to close with a chance to respond in, in some prayer ministry. And so um, standing is a nice sign that we're almost there. It's also uh, a way to be kind that you have sat, and uh, we're grateful to, to be there. Uh, man, just a couple thoughts that come to my mind. This, this series has been in the making for a while. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the most important factors for connection at church is actually friendship. We can deal with a lot of things, but walking into a room, a room full of people and feeling alone is hard to deal with. So I want to challenge us as a community to have courage. Not everyone needs to be your best friend in the room, that's not what I'm saying. But to be seen and to be treasured and to be valued, to be known is the way of God's kingdom, and it is the work of the church. We need each other. We do. And so I just want us to begin to ask the Lord to move on us as a community, and that we, whatever we practice in here, we would live out there. <laughs> and this example is whatever we want to invest in globally, we want to invest in locally. So Youth for Christ and Young Life here in our own county, we invest in because we invest in it around the world. And what God is doing around the world inspires and informs us in what we're doing locally. And so um, we just want to ask God to speak and to meet us. And so, God, we just welcome you to lead us into this conversation, to do the things that we know your heart has been for all along. And I just pray for anybody in the room who's been dealing with loneliness, we just ask for your comfort and care to begin to come. That you would break lies off, that people don't care, that you would, um, you would give us the courage to risk again, to try again, to say hi again. I pray that you would give us your joy, that we would smile again at people. I pray that this actually series would be a series of healing, that where we have been hurt and wounded in relationship, you would begin to show your redemptive story to us. Holy Spirit, fill our church that we might be the kind of people who love well. Give us a growing passion for unity to reach across 
differences, to reach across barriers. We need you, God. We need what you love to be the things we love. And you love people. Show us how to love people. Show us how to be intentional. So I pray for each person that you would give us a practical step this week of how to be intentional with one relationship. With one relationship. I'm going to ask our prayer ministry teams to come. If you're available to pray, small group leaders, staff, just make yourself available here. Here's what I think. Friendship's hard. Friendships fade. Seasons change. But I specifically want to just pray for two, two specific things today. If you have been hurt and you have been not really wanting to risk again, we want to pray that you would experience God's comfort. So you've been lonely, you've been isolated, relationships have been painful for you. The other one is you actually want friendship. Like you just go, I have hope for friendship. It doesn't matter where you're at in your journey, you just want that. I just we want to pray that the Lord would bless that in you. Because I think that where we want it, we can take a step of courage and investment. And then if you need healing prayer for anything, you need God to meet you in a real circumstance, come let our team pray for you. And so God, we just bless your church. Fill us up today that as we go, we would be sent to love well and to be a beacon of hope that we would be a credible witness to the love and life of Jesus, which is, I, Jesus, have laid my life down for you, my friends. We welcome you into our life. Lead us and guide us by your spirit for the glory of God the Father. We bless your church to be sent with mission and purpose this week. In Jesus' name, amen.